Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Content and Media team at Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Tegan Bellaney, Managing Consultant, and Abby Burnham, Associate Consultant. And we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Simon Miller, who until recently had been the MD at Gracenote International Metadata for Product Sales. Highly energetic and a Newcastle United fan, Simon's sporting expertise expands beyond the world of football. For four years between 2016 and 2020, he was the Global Director of Sports Specialisation for Gracenote, but his previous roles have also included CEO of Betfair TV, Head of International and Online Marketing for Ladbrokes eGaming, Commercial Executive Producer for Bloomberg TV Africa, and in his spare time, Simon loves to write about travel, including articles for skiing, sailing and hiking. Welcome to the show, Simon. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Looking forward to oh. our... Oh, us too. Us too. I'm, I'm astounded with all of that that you've managed to fit us in, so I do appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. So... I'm you know, looking forward to some um, some upcoming trips, but uh, plenty of time to to look around and, 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 and spend some time with you as well. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Where's the next trip uh, then? Uh, I am going to be skiing in Austria, very fortunate oh. for myself, and um, I've got my eye on a little sailing trip as well, but um, oh. that's, uh, that's not, yet, uh, not yet come to full fruition. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. But to get us started today, we, we always ask people the same thing. Um, how did you first get into the industry? Um, well, I, I've sort of evolved my career over, over a number of years, and there have been steps. So the big steps have been to go from the advertising world, and then I used the, the dot-com boom to go onto the client side and, and educated myself quickly on all things digital marketing. Um, I think that the the move into gaming was, was particularly interesting of, of, of the industries that are at the absolute bleeding edge of many things, actually. The betting industry is one of them. And certainly digital marketing um, was at, at the absolute, and I think remains at the edge for, for that industry. There's real technology, there are real demands, there's real money. And that, that creates an environment where, um, innovation and uh, en energy is required. And I, I certainly enjoyed uh, my time in that industry. And whilst I say to people that I could never uh, write a line of code to save my life, I'm pleased to say that I've been you know, rewarded with innovation awards in, in that industry um, by being able to bring people into conversations. Um, the betting industry also then enabled me to spend some time looking at the more television side, both at Betfair TV, and then um, that evolved into working with, uh, with Samsung. And, and as soon as you start realizing the, the power of um, connected TVs and very early stage connected TVs back in 2008, that's what really uh, enabled me to then sort of take a call from, uh, from Grace Note, um, where uh, they explained to me 
um, what metadata was, and, and, and that's, that's interesting, but what in some ways was even more interesting was the way in which uh, Grace Note was, is, remains, and continues to be deeply embedded in the video distribution platforms of the world. So the, the CE manufacturers, as well as the uh, biggest and most powerful pay TV or MVPD operators in the world. So that's a, a very quick canter through how I've uh, evolved from a sort of a, an advertising marketing person to <clears throat> to understanding some of the technology um, in in marketing, as well as the technology that is now embedded and, and involved with uh, the CTV uh, world. Wonderful. And you're, you're talking to two horsey people. So I think we probably, Abby and I both <laughs> appreciated the use of the phrase canter in that. Um, <laughs> Abby, over to you. Yeah, we could tell for, from that, that that you've clearly had an incredibly sort of varied and, and successful career. So really interested in, in hearing a little bit about what would you say has been the biggest lesson that, that you've learned over your career? Um, I think that the important thing is is to is to keep an open mind and and to keep keep learning um i think if you if you think you know the answer um you'll very quickly uh, come unstuck particularly if you're working in areas which are evolving and and all of the industries that i've i've worked in are are evolving industries so i think well, for me personally um i, I think a degree of uh, you know that that classic blend of of be hungry, be aggressive, have energy, but recognize that your knowledge is never is never universal. It's never a hundred percent. And and I'm I'm more than happy to be a proud stealer of ideas from other people. And as long as I think as long as you're fair in 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 acknowledging that um, and 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 crediting the source of of ideas or creating environment where where those ideas have come come to fruition then then that's fine with me um and so for me the the important thing in any uh career is you know we've gone you know 20 30 years ago it might have been that you you, you do a, a career for life i think more and more people and you know got it you guys are in this industry of, of, of sort of the the search industry people's careers evolve and move from different areas and for that an elasticity of mind a flexibility of mind i think is important <laughs> No, definitely. And there's, yeah, as you say, always, always more to learn, always different, different ideas that you can, you can take on and everything. And you've led um, a lot of teams over, over the years. What do you feel um, is most important um, for successful leadership? I think it, 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 there are lots of different types of leadership. Um, and I, I think that the, uh, there are different circumstances for different types of, of leader. Um, the, the areas that I've been in have required, I think, me to be uh, acknowledging of the fact that the expertise, the, the expertise often lies outside of my, my own uh, control. And I have to sort of encourage and um, create an environment in which those, those people can thrive and and be successful and feel that they're successful. And for me to sort of have a, um, you know, to try and keep out of their way as much as possible. So in that sense, I think it's probably best summed up as a, you know, servant leadership. I'm serving the team that I am, that I am leading and trying to create as much uh, free runway and, and path and ambition and, and with guidance as I possibly can. Um, but there are many circumstances in which that might not be 
the appropriate style to adopt, whether you're at a, in a particular uh, project or a particular phase of business, uh, that particular approach might not be uh, the most the most appropriate. So it's a bit like the question, you know, what's your favorite color? Well, it kind of depends upon the circumstances. Uh, you know, what, what you know, what it, de it depends. I mean, I, I can like many different colors. You can like and appreciate many different types of leadership depending upon the the circumstances in which you you find yourself. No, I love that. That's a yeah, that's a really good point actually about um, basing basing that leadership style on on the team and and on the on the environment that you're in at that time. And I think perhaps <laughs> that 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 is a sort of key takeaway in leadership is that there isn't a uh, one way uh, fits all for for for, um, for that. But yes, Tex, over to you to, to talk a little bit more about um, the present day. Wonderful, thank you. Simon, I'd be interested to know your, your thoughts on specifically why metadata is so important for the future of, of our industry. Well, <clears throat> meta, let's first start off by saying what metadata is. Um, metadata right. is, I, I, I like to think of it as meta-information, actually. It's the information about um, in our case, video assets. So that information is the image uh, around a, a piece of film or, or, or television program or sports sports event. It's the synopsis, uh, the summary of, of what that program is about. It's information about the cast and crew. And crucially, all of that meta information needs to be uh, linked and controlled by an, a system of IDs. Without IDs, metadata is useless and without uh, metadata, the IDs are, are pretty valueless. So it's the combination of the two that's crucial. And, and the problem that metadata uh, solves is initially the problem of search and discovery. You know, you've all been read surveys and, and uh, individuals experiences all the time. Survey after survey says that I can never find anything on television, despite the fact that we all know that every single one of our uh, televisions has thousands of hours and hundreds of different films and televisions to watch and yet you can never find anything and obviously I exaggerate slightly but that's the problem that is persistent throughout the throughout the industry and has been for for, for, for decades yeah and I think it's only going to become more challenging as more content is available on more platforms and more devices um, there are a sea of apps um, on many people's uh, devices. There is a fight for who controls the gateway to, to the consumer. Um, and there are people pursuing strategies of aggregating content onto single apps or onto single platforms, um, integrating that uh, content elegantly, and then ultimately pr pr presenting the consumer with an easily navigable way of finding the content that they want and that all requires metadata and i think it becomes so fundamentally it's that search and discovery <clears throat> challenge that that metadata uh, resolves um i think it, it then moves into two further interesting areas one of which is a sort of a, a continuation along the search path which is increased personalization um and what metadata can do um is present one asset but with multiple mm -hmm. different flavors um and so you can describe um a, a a movie as being having an adventure theme and show an adventure 
image have an adventure synopsis. Um, but that same film may also have a romantic uh, thread to it, in which case show up a romantic image and a romantic synopsis and so on. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is where the metadata can be used to enhance that search with much more refined personalization. And that in turn links to what I think, and again, having spent the last two days at what I thought was an excellent Connected TV World Summit, where advertising was every single session on advertising was was packed to the rafters because people I were bet. trying to figure out how to, you know, squeeze more money, generate more profitability about the assets that they have, and using metadata to refine the advertising uh, that is presented to individuals. Again, referencing back to that personalization is an important uh, theme uh, to pursue. Yeah, I, oh, Simon, so many questions off the back of that. Do you, I'm going to pick up first on what you said about search and discovery. Do you therefore think AI is going to be used more and more within the search and discovery space in the future? I do. Um, I, I think that there are, um, for a number of reasons, firstly, uh, doing things manually is is not scalable, um, and as we all have to manage costs, um, continuing to do things in a with, with human human beings, um, I think is 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 not the path that that will will last lo for a lot of you know for forever. Um, particularly given the increase in the amount of content that is available, that that's just not that that can't be sustained. Um, that said, AI, um, you know, we, as we all know, it, it, it's it's great. It gets you a long way there, but won't get you all of the way there. Um, and people who are far more technically capable than I am are going to have to work out, you know, is the AI going to deliver, you know, twenty five percent of the of the heavy lifting and and the human being the the, rem the remaining seventy five percent, or is it fifty fifty? Does it get to eighty twenty? Um, and is it best off uh, doing all of the the translations? Is it best off, you know, finding images in the aforementioned example of, you know, show me a romantic image or show me an, an adventure image? You know, will AI be uh, capable of doing that? I, I, I dare say it will be. Um, but I think there's always going to be a human, uh, a human being required for that quality. Um, and I also think that the, you know, the recommendation engines are going to be um, enhanced by AI and the algorithms that that we all see in the rails or stripes as they're sometimes referred to in our video uh, distribution platforms are driven by by algorithms which will get better and better with more AI and machine learning but I still think it's important to recognize that the quirk the 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 human intervention I think still will will carry will carry value when you hear the word curation used uh, by the big TV operators and that curation coming from uh, a, a person who happens to be uh, a, a, a geek, uh, a, a, a supremely knowledgeable about you know, movies from the 80s and the 90s in a way that no machine could possibly um, be, then, then I think it's a combination of what the AI can throw up in terms of recommendation, but as well as the curation from a human perspective. Wonderful. And you you touched on it, it, it earlier, and, and that's this um, 
I guess this whole issue around commerce and we're seeing such an increase of commerce off the back of content across the globe really how do you foresee that developing in in coming years well I think it's interesting coming from the from the betting industry, which is in some ways the ultimate example of exactly. uh, commerce off the back of content. Unless you can see it, you can't bet on it, which is why um, DAZN was previously Perform and Perform providing excellent video services to the major betting platforms in order that you create um, video that people can bet on. And that video can be you know, lower tier football, it can be horse racing, it can be table tennis, it can be all sorts of things. The point is to get the video in front of people who, who are interested in placing a bet. So I think that's an industry that's, that, that, as I say, you know, it's often at the leading edge. So that, that's sort of one um, observation. Um, I think the other thing is to say that, you know, as, as the demand for profitability is, is, is becoming more and more prevalent, then of course advertising is is a key part of that I've just, as I've just sort of been talking about. But I think e-commerce as well um, becomes relevant. Um, and you know I think the the industry has long considered and, and thought about this. And 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 in some ways it's not a new idea. I mean go, going back and saying oh we're going to sell whatever you know Jennifer and friends is wearing uh, off the back of of that has been a sort of a almost a cliche of the industry going back uh, 20 years but when we look at what's happening in China where the e-commerce off the back of content is a in excess of a 400 billion dollar industry compared to the US equivalent of being only uh, 40 billion dollars um in a, for an economy which is obviously in in many ways much more uh, you would think um, capable of, of being at a more comparable level. Now, some of that difference, I think, can be explained by some um, sort of basic building block differences between the way the media in those two markets work. So I'm not suggesting that you always you always compare like for like, but nevertheless, I think it's a clue that um, many companies are picking up on. And certainly on recent trips to Singapore and meeting clients in the Far East, that they're, they're looking a lot at how they can replicate or at least borrow some of the um the experience of, of the e-commerce that the, um, the, the, the that they see in in china um, and i think that the technology is is always evolving the the ability to push messages uh that are directed to people who are signed in and and and, and have you know you've given permission to um, those messages can be information, they can be in, to enhance the view, or they could be commerce messages. Um, <clears throat> and so I think the technology um, is, is evolving as more and more people watch video on small individual devices, which are naturally far more interactive and less lean, lean back and much more uh, sort of interactive lean forward, then again, e-commerce off the back of that content, um, again, plays plays its role and i think um you know that there are you know is is e-commerce off the back of a a two-hour movie that the the what's going to happen or is it um e-commerce off you know the different types of video format and different need states that that video fulfills e-commerce is only relevant in some of those um there was a very interesting presentation from 
uh, from Pluto TV. I thought it was excellent research that was presented at the at the conference over the last couple of days, talking about oh. the different need states. Um, and I, I wager that only in some of those need states is e-commerce a relevant <clears throat> is going to be is going to be relevant. So yes, I think it's going to happen, but uh, not everywhere, uh, not on every platform. But certainly, the technology will enable it. Wonderful. What I wanted to to move on to to now is our topic that matters. And um, Simon, you spent a, a lot of time in the sports ecosystem. So, Abby, I'm I'm going to pass over to you to to just zone our conversation in a little bit further. Yeah, no, I'm particularly interested in in, in your insights into what the challenges are for for sports right owners um, at the moment. Um, I think that sports federations have a tremendous operation sports rights owners have a tremendous opportunity um what we're seeing from all of these fast channels is essentially a democratization of the ability to get your video in front of millions of eyeballs and so whilst some will stick to the classic linear broadcast deals that have served them incredibly well for the you know past 10 20 30 years with multi-billion dollar deals and, and the seemingly ever-expanding ability and demand for uh, live sports rights. I think that the the federations will see themselves as they are. In, in my view, they're, they're just like Hollywood studios that have the same challenge of getting their valuable content, their valuable IP in front of as many eyeballs as possible. And the more interactive platforms, and so fast channels would be an example of that, <clears throat> Um, you know, just that they're sort of quite almost quasi linear experiences, but ultimately giving the sports rights holders much, much more control over the, the content that they that they have. Um, and so I think there's, it's an exciting time for that industry. It was quite interesting that it just so happened that in London, at the same time, there's a sports convention going on at the same time as Connected TV World Summit was going on. And it, it struck me that many of the people at the, the Connected TV Summit would have been interesting to talk to by those who were attending the ISC conference. Um, I'm sure they were both successful and I'm, I'm sure there will be overlap. Yeah, definitely. And live streaming of prestigious sports events um, requires perfection across capture, video delivery, security, so latency, and content resolution. Um, and that often comes at, at a great cost. How is the industry sort of providing solutions to, to meet the expectations of the end users? You're reaching into an area that is beyond beyond my technical <laughs> capabilities. You'll have to talk to, and again, there were some you know very interesting panelists at the Connected TV World Summit who were, who were far more capable than I am about sort of uh, are presenting that. What I would say is that um, the you know latency is, is clearly an issue in sport. Um, you know, does everything need to be absolutely pinprick up to the second? Probably not. You know, is my experience ruined um, if I'm 20, 30 seconds, maybe a minute behind what's actually taking place in the real world on a stream? Probably not. Um, that may differ. Um, if if you're talking about betting, back to betting, where the synchronicity of of, of data and <clears throat> and video pictures is is important, and most crucially, you, the, the the pictures, if people are betting off the pictures, need to be in sync with the uh, with the data. Um, yeah. But you know, so I think that there's there's a lot of um, 
control and uh, of, of you know how you manage your CDNs and the latency and the compression rates. Again, not an area that I'm in any way capable of speaking about, but I do understand the, this issue of <clears throat> of latency is 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 the core one. Um, and and yeah. live sports, you know, the, often the question is, what exactly is live? Um, is is the question is often asked. No, such a good point. And what would you say then? Do, do we need to sort of rethink uh, about video delivery to make sure that the sports fans have the best viewer experience? Um, I, I think you know. I think this is a continual evolution. I think sports fans are actually pretty well served. Actually, um, you know, sure there was there are always you know the 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 stories about the problems that happen when there's too much buffering or there was a delay or the, the internet, you know, failed to deliver uh, a, 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 a level of expectation that, that, that people have become accustomed to, that, that they get sort of talked about, but I'm finding that they're sort of, you know, less, less frequent than they were. But it's interesting, you know, the, the broadcast industry is one that demands perfection. Um, it, it's a, it's a, is it five nines? I don't know, but it, it's it's at a level of perfection that um, we've all become accustomed to. When you turn your television on, it absolutely works. The internet is in a constant; it's it's constantly evolving. It's it's always in a in a sort of a it's being refined and tested, and new releases going out all, all the time. And and those two worlds are, are slightly you know they're obviously sort of coming together. And so the the internet, if it's going to if if IP is going to be the delivery mechanism, and it's it's got to come up to the standard that the broadcast industry has made people expect, and rightly so. Um, and so I think that's yeah. where the the technology is going to have to meet that consumer expectation as as more and more content gets delivered over IP. No, definitely. Um... And we've seen it with organizations like like WWE and, and F1. They're doing some really sort of brilliant, innovative things within the industry at the moment. What do you think um, others can sort of take away and, and implement from those? Well, Formula One's fascinating. And as is WWE, I remember going to sort of uh, speaking and hearing people from WWE speak about the way in which they use all of the different channels uh, to communicate um, their, 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 their product, their story. Their narrative, um, and 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 Formula One similarly. Drive to Survive is a, is a, an absolutely classic example. Um, my um, I, 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 one of my children told me about listening to a podcast um, all about. I think it was a valve that was being used in the back end of a, a Formula One car, um, and and she was she's a into, into mechanical engineering, and she's only in her teens, but she's really into the sort of the geeky side of things. And I think that Formula One is a classic example of being able to use, you know, and you can back to video, you know, you can have a podcast and an audio podcast talking all about some particular aspect of the the wing, a valve, a, you know, who knows what that goes on in, in, in those highly refined technical spaces of a Formula One car. Um, but there could be an equally valuable piece of uh, content all about the the stars, their fashion, their music taste. Um, and that's just yeah. as valuable um, or, 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 or another aspect uh, uh, in which Formula One uh, can drive value on top of the, obviously the core, uh, the, the core rights of the, the actual live race. But there's so much that goes on around F1 in particular um, that can be yeah. in 
audio format in different video format using different platforms different levels of interactivity different levels of e-commerce driven off the back of that um depending upon the subject matter in question and, and the and the sponsorship opportunities commerce opportunities all, all differ accordingly no that's fascinating yeah um and on to our, our next sort of um uh, topic for for this podcast which is diversity um taken i'll pass back to you I mean, you've, you, Simon, you, you've got a daughter who's, who's kind of tapping into to this world, it, it sounds like. And historically, the, the sports and betting industry have been very, very male-centric. But why is it so important to have diverse teams in, in this part of the ecosystem? Um, I, I'll, I'll just give you a, a personal e example. I, I... Please. I ran a team which was um, very diverse, um, and what I uh, like doing is running, you know, brainstorms, and and we'll we'll sort of get the post-it notes up on the wall, and and sort of I'll drive the, I'll challenge people to come up with ideas, and make sure that there's a sort of an energy in the room, and 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 use that th those kind of sessions to, to really, um, you know, push push forward with you know how we're going to plan the year. And I remember one year we did that and we had a, a real good mixture of people in the room, uh, men and women and, and different ages, different backgrounds, different experience. And then for reasons, you know, one somebody went on maternity leave, somebody left the company. And just so happened that the next year we had a, a much less diverse uh, group in the room. And I can tell you categorically there was... It, it just didn't work as well. We just didn't get as many different voices... Um, it, it it was a really, and we all know this, you know, you, you can read paper after paper about you get better, everybody, it, it all boats rise when you have a, a mixed group of people, it demands more of you, it forces you to be more, um, you know, if you're going to be successful in those, you it forces you to be more uh, humble in the way that you're presenting yourself and to, to give space to others in the room. Um, and when that's when you have one type of person in the room, then then somehow or another you lose that. And so I, I just we all know that we've we've read about it, we we see it in reports. It's it's scientifically proven. Um, and so I've intellectually understood that for a long time. But just you know, a few years ago, I I really felt that tangibly. Um, so it was it was it was enlightening. Well, not enlightening, but sort of it, it confirmed what you you knew. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you read things, don't you? And you kind of go, oh, I've always known this, but now I feel it. Mm. I feel it and I've lived it. And there's a, there's a very different, there's a huge difference between knowledge and experience, uh, I, I guess, sometimes. So, uh, I mean, with that in mind, I'd be interesting to know in what your thoughts are on, it's not just about attracting diversity, right? But it's about retaining it. And that's not just about gender, that's about everything across the board how do we build teams that retain diversity and ultimately retain brilliant people you know i think that the you know people why do people go to work obviously there is a sort of a, fin a financial uh, element to, to going to work but i think that um mostly people you know we're tribal people we're we're social people yes. um and i i think that 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 is that is one of the key aspects of, of it and so you know, whenever people leave uh, an, a, a, a place of work, it's not the subject matter that they necessarily miss. And obviously, in some instances, it is. It's usually the people. Um, and so creating a, a an atmosphere in which people feel that they are 
comfortable that they're um, you know that they can express an opinion they can be they can be wrong and 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 for that not to be um, disastrous um, I think is 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 crucially important and I, I'd go one step further which is that the the thing that I think people need from work is the ability to say that I've made a difference and it, and it can be you know, each day, each week, each year, you've got to be able to say, I did something which made a difference somewhere. <clears throat> and, and that needn't be the most seismic thing. Uh, we can't all change the world every single day. Um, but as long as you are making a contribution which is valued, then um, I think people get a level of satisfaction, which ultimately is what the, the, you know keeps them in, in the team, keeps them you know retained and keeps them interested. Um, and, and I think so. Those are the, those to me are the other factors which, uh, you know, are, are important running a team. And that's sort of regardless of whether the team is, you know, that's yes. sex, gender, race, whatever. That, that, that's 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 just a truism for just people generally. So true. And I totally agree with you as well in that people need to be in an environment where it's okay to make mistakes. We're humans. We all make mistakes. That's okay. But people need to really know that within the teams that, that they work within. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, we, we, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we, um, we're, we're always looking to sort of change and evolve and learn. And, and, and um, let's, let's, let's not make too many mistakes, clearly. But, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> but, but it, it, it obviously happens. And, and, and also different opinions. There are different ways of different ways of approaching things. Um, and, and some, you know, people, decisions need to be made and, and that's part of, you know, part of leadership. But once that decision is made, then people need to sort of, you know, pull collectively together. Absolutely. Abby, I'm going to pass back over to you because um, we've learned a lot about, about some of your thoughts and, and your professional side um, of Simon, but, but let's learn a little bit more about you outside of work. Yes, we always uh, think our listeners would like to, to get to know you a little bit as a person as well. So um, we're quite curious, what would you describe as your, your perfect weekend? Oh, blimey. Um, <clears throat> um, well, I, I'll, I'll always quite enjoy some sport in some way, shape or form. I, I play very bad golf, equally bad tennis, I would suggest, and, and a whole bunch of other uh, sort of things. Uh, I'm a passionate skier, but that's not every weekend from uh, from uh, from from London. Obviously, not possible. So I, I <laughs> you know, sort of skiing through you know thigh deep powder in a, in, a, in an Austrian Alp would be would would be a very uh, key part of it. Um, I've I've got a, a three three daughters who take up a lot of time, and and I I love watching them do their thing at the weekend, whether that's the you know rowing or lacrosse or netball or whatever they're doing is is always interesting to to be to be part of and standing on the sidelines and sort of keeping my mouth shut because I know nothing about many of the sports that they take <laughs> they take part in is 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 always great fun um but yeah doing things which are you know social with with people I, I I don't think I've got anything particularly extraordinary in my weekend that you probably wouldn't be able to to hazard a guess at no I love that though and and certainly um expected you to, to have sports somewhere in your answer um but no um love lovely to to hear that your daughters have followed in your footsteps there as well um but take it back to you 
No clues here, Simon. You're going to have to think on your feet as our quick fire round. I'm going to dive straight in. Window or aisle seat? Aisle. Aisle. Morning or evening? Evening. Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. People or animals? People. Christmas or your birthday? Hmm. Christmas. And if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dover Soul. Oh, good choice. Swimming pool or the ocean? Ocean. Where is your family vacation? You're sorry, where's your favourite family vacation? Austria. Oh, watch sports or play sports? Play. Reading the book or seeing the movie? Reading the book. Passion or stability? Hmm. Passion. And finally, espresso or latte? Espresso all day long. I thought you'd I thought you'd be an espresso person. I, I thought so. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Abby. I'm gonna pass back to you for our final question. Yeah, so we always end our, our podcast on the same question, and that is um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone entering the industry? Treat every day as an opportunity to learn something new. I love it. <laughs> Great advice. Simon, thank you so much for, for sharing sharing this hour with us. Um, we really, really appreciated your, your insight and your thoughts there. And um, thank you for, for coming along. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.